an opportunity to get my revenge. One of the most iconic fighters in mixed martial arts history. He wants to regain his position at the top of the heap. Ask my name in history one more time for the Irish people. Dustin Poirier! He really does want to be nothing but the best. He has beat world champions. He's here to get his hand raised. This is a massive, massive event. The hottest ticket in UFC history. The king is back. Let's go! Well, are you guys pumped for this fight or what? In this podcast special, Irish reporter Donna Corby previews a historic night in Vegas Saturday where Conor McGregor takes on Dustin Poirier for the third time in what is essentially a must-win fight for the Dublin man. Donna, who is a combat sports reporter with The Mirror, previews the fight and lays out just how important the clash is for McGregor's legacy in the UFC. We also take a look back on how the Irishman forged his path in America to become the highest paid athlete in the world last year. We also touch on some of his public controversies and their impact on his reputation among Irish people and people around the world. You can follow Donna's top class reporting and analysis on Twitter via at Donna Corby underscore. That's D-O-N-A-G-H-C-O-R-B-Y underscore. And don't forget to check out our updated website for the latest Irish-American sports news stories, including New York GA match reports. That's www.thelonghallpodcast.com and all of our podcasts are up in the site too. Donna moved to New York in late 2019, but was actually forced to move home when COVID hit. So I started off the podcast by asking Donna about that experience. Donna, thanks for coming on the Long Haul Podcast. I remember vividly the first night I met you. I was um, in the garden. I sat down. There was this well-dressed man, gentleman next to me. I said, who is this guy? Introduce yourself. I uh, had a little check on Twitter. There was uh, Donna with like 10,000 followers on, on Twitter with the blue tick. I was uh-huh. like, who is this guy? And I subsequently I found out that you're a very esteemed uh, combat sports journalist, very, very knowledgeable uh, in the area. So thanks for coming on. It is an honor to be on with you. That's a very nice introduction. I want everyone to know the followers are all fake. It's all <laughs> bullshit. It's all a facade. Sorry, I shouldn't swear, but yes, I continue. Yes, of course. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be on with you, Michael. No problem. So, Donald, so you were in America, so like there, you have Correct. an American connection. Tell us when you first came to the US. You're a home now, but tell us about your uh, brief American journey. Yeah, man. So I've always loved uh, New York City specifically um, and, and America in a wider sense. I've always just loved the uh, the culture. I've loved the diversity. I've loved how everything uh, – I've loved how the aim – There was, I think it was Gavin McKinnon said like everyone in America, even the, the most poor people, even the people living on the side of the street are – temporarily embarrassed rich people and i've always loved that mindset you know i've always loved this idea that uh that over there success is is something that you should always strive for which is sometimes not the, not the case here so yeah I, i've always loved uh new york city specifically and and uh basically yes yeah, so I, I finished up college and uh i had done a couple of years with the irish mirror uh while i was in college and i'd finished that up while i was out of it and i got this opportunity to a graduate visa uh which as you know is uh, is an interesting experience for sure. Um, so I graduated. I went over. Uh, obviously, we met at the garden that night. That was a special night. It was a it was a special week, really. That whole thing, you know, my first week in New York, uh, and I got to be there for three months, you know. And and I uh, I got I kind of got a job somewhere, and then the visa company got in the way, and you know, like 
things were things were maybe beginning to work out or maybe we were at a crossroads where things were either going to work out in the the first and second week of March or they were not going to work out. And unfortunately I didn't get a chance to find out which one of those things was going to go down because uh, on, on obviously uh, you know, like the, the, the 10th to about Paddy's day uh, of March last year, everything got shut down and, uh, and like, you know, we got recommended that, people on my visa non-immigrant visas should go home so uh i've been back in ireland for the last little while but yeah new york was uh new york was special i think about it pretty much every day and uh, i'm planning to return as soon as sleepy joe opens up the borders (laughs) (laughs) brilliant so Danny, you're quite accomplished for being such a such a young man. Like you've Thank plenty you. of written work, but combat sports is your main area. I know you do Correct. MMA, boxing, everything. Bit of WWE. I saw you the <laughs> interviewing Logan Paul. Was it at one stage? Yeah. So you're well versed. Tell us about your your background. Yeah. So I was actually initially into soccer. Like I was real into soccer when I was younger. Um, that would be football to everyone back here, but I know that you're in the States. I know that you're all, and, and it's not actually football to people from Cork. Isn't that correct? People from Cork would consider it to be, to be soccer. I know that. I know from, from my background in Bandon, but uh, yeah, man, I think uh, I was real into soccer and, and I very, very early on, you won't understand this experience because I understand you're actually pretty good at, at football. I was terrible. I was, poof, I was bad, bro. I was on the D team. Uh, so we had a we had a premier team, a major team, an A team, a B team, a C team, and then the D team. And I was on the subs bench on the D team, and I'm sitting on the subs bench on the D team, and I'm thinking yeah, it's not going to happen. This whole being a footballer thing, <laughs> um, uh, you know, evidently looking at me, I'm not a professional athlete in any way. So I, I very quickly realized the football thing not going to happen. But I was watching uh, matches on Sky Sports, and I was thinking that guy who interviews them afterwards, the guy, I thought that guy, I could be him. Like, we don't even see that guy. He could be, you know, God knows. And, and, and there are some real, you know, interesting people back there. So I thought, yeah, like that could be me. And uh, I decided when I was a little kid, uh, I was in first year in secondary school. So I was 12 that I was going to do this little YouTube channel. So I went around to all the League of Ireland games and I would, I would bring my dad along with me and we'd record my interviews with all these League of Ireland players so I uh, I did that for a few years and then um I made it into to college by the skin of my teeth just about uh, I was terrible in school because I was spending all the time I should have been studying at these League of Ireland games and uh I went to um I went to college I went to DIT it was my eighth choice on the CAO and that's like one of the things I always tell young young uh prospective Whoa. professionals in anything is doing the CAO in, in the leaving cert is so important because I got my eighth choice Whoa. and it ended up leading me to meeting a guy called JP Kierens who was working with the mirror at the time who had connections there. And when an internship came up, he was able to get me in and help me uh, ingratiate myself there. And then I stuck around there for three years while I was finishing my degree. And uh, I got into, I got real into MMA around the like around the time the connor was on the come up you know so i'm a casual for most people um or for most people at my level of reporting like most people consider me to be a casual but uh you know i got into it around that time and and uh when i was at the mirror the it was mcgregor mania bro it was right around the time he was fighting floyd so there was like you know you couldn't move for connor mcgregor stories so i basically got real into that and and built up some stuff there so that's how i got into the whole uh combat sports reporting thing and uh and yeah, since then, yeah, I worked for three years at the Mirror, went over to the States. Unfortunately, didn't work out. Maybe I can try it again. And then I came back here. I was plugging away, doing different things. I was working in marketing for a little bit. 
I was, uh, you know, trying out other things. And then this opportunity with the UK Mirror, which is a different uh, a different branch than where I worked before, came up to be an exclusively boxing and UFC reporter. And I thought that sounds literally like the dream. And it has yeah. been going uh, pretty okay so far. So that's a, a very long answer to what I'm sure you were expecting a few words for. So I apologize for that boring answer. But no, yeah. I'm, in, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued being a reporter. And I, I just, just one caveat. When I saw you that night in, in Con, uh, we were in the Colin's dressing room yeah. afterwards. And I just was just amazed by the the confidence you you had going around interviewing everyone and the questions you had your tripod phone yeah interviewing did that does that come easy to you because for me personally I got into journalism a bit late, a bit late. I was mm-hmm. very hesitant I never liked mm-hmm. the sound of my voice um, yeah I you know no, I hate very, mine too it, it was very I was very nervous even still like but the way you just brushed in I was just I was just amazed <laughs> by it. is it something that comes naturally to you uh you know I uh, like. I don't know. Uh, I I I don't even. I suppose the answer would be yeah. I I hate talking about myself in any way at all. I just ugh, it sucks. But yeah, like I guess I suppose it does because I wouldn't have even thought about that. But yeah, I think um, I'm just like I'm just a stickler for like creative. There's so much buzzwords that I don't want to say, but they are true. Like I do just love creating stuff. I do just like making quote unquote content. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I suppose there are things you have to do, but I'm also not that confident. There's a lot of things that I'll try to wriggle out of if I can. But that night in MSG, I, I guess maybe the adrenaline got to me because it's like you're working on things for so long. Like, like I say, well, I started that soccer thing when I was like a little kid. So in theory, I've been a journalist at that point. 2009, I started in 2011 or 10. Like it's almost a decade and I'm now getting to report at MSG. What a great, you know, yeah. night. So I'm sure I was just, you know, relishing the the opportunity that we had, you know, but uh but I appreciate that compliment. That's very no, nice you're, of you you're to say. Modest, I was very taken, uh, <laughs> top reporter. And we're following you on like are do are your uh, pieces featuring in the Irish Mirror now as well done how would uh, people yes so basically yeah if people want to follow me on on Twitter I, I can do the plug at the end but you know Donna Corby is Donna Corby underscore is my Twitter and then Instagram but yeah things go on mirror.co.uk uh if you look up their boxing or, or MMA coverage you'll likely find my name there most okay. most times during the week and then um it, it some of it goes over to the Irish Mirror as well and some of it goes around the place so I'm sure if people want to find me, I'm sure it won't be particularly okay. difficult. <laughs> Moving along, so to the crux of the matter, Mystic yes. Mac, the notorious Conor McGregor, fighting next, fighting this weekend uh, in the trilogy with Dustin Poirier. Um, tell us, uh, Donna, just give us a brief overview, like M- McGregor, like um, his his story, rags to riches. We all we yeah. all loved it. We all rode that wave. His reputation's after taking a bit of a dent, and that's what we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. But just give us a background on McGregor and how 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 quick he rose up through the ranks in UFC. It's look, it's completely unheard of. I was on another show recently, and I was talking about how it's it's nothing we've ever seen before. Like for example, if you look at any other aspect of Irish life where someone has had a, a great bit of success. Like when Roy Keane was this world-class soccer player, there had been world-class players before. There had been top-class players from Ireland before. So, you know, he he knew what Liam Brady looked like. He knew what, you know, John Jaws was like. And and even if you look at, like, Bono, you know, in, and U2, they had seen top-class bands coming from, from Ireland before. There was no UFC fighter at all, even at the lowest level from Ireland. Tom Egan had fought once. I believe there was another Northern Irish fighter. I, I, his name uh, his name escapes me right now, but there wasn't even 
like a journeyman fighter in the UFC. Yeah. And Conor McGregor had this vision that he was going to be the biggest athlete in the world in a sport that wasn't even that big, where no one had ever done it before from his country. There was no one like him. And he he manifested it, man. I mean, you talk about like the secret and you talk about, you know, uh, the the energies in the universe and stuff. And this is someone who kept saying it when everybody like, you know how Ireland is. You say that you're going to do something spectacular and people don't really love to hear that so much. Like people don't support that as much as as they do. Like I was saying in the States, that's part of yeah. what I love about it. But but, you know. There's like a million Conor, there's a million prospective Conor McGregor's in the States. There's only, there was really only a couple over here. You had Cahill Pendridge, you had Paddy Houlihan. Um, there was obviously other fighters. Chris Fields was a great fighter. And then, of course, John Cavanaugh in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Andy Ryan, uh, was, was a great coach too. But there wasn't a pathway, and he forged it himself. And uh, and he's now the richest athlete in the world. It's unbelievable. It's an, It's a story that you they say all the time you couldn't write that you literally you couldn't make it up it's an unbelievably uh interesting story and and look his reputation has taken a, a bit of a hit people still love him though and some people hate him some people love him more people hate him than than did at his peak but you know uh it's still an incredible story even if you do hate him yeah so let's just go go back on just a quick synopsis of of his career mm-hmm. like he 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 rose up through the the ranks quickly I think it was 2015 he beat Aldo there for his first yep. UFC title and then of course he became the champ champ or whatever <laughs> so he yeah. fought at a couple of divisions like what's your take on mm-hmm. like McGregor is a fighter like um, he meets the hype obviously is he one yep. of the best that that's ever been or has the hype maybe brought him further than where, where he ordinarily would have been it's a great question look I'm not the historian that, that a lot of other reporters would be I'll tell you though He's like his record kind of speaks for itself. He's beat Max Holloway, who a lot of people think is one of the best featherweights ever. A lot of people believe that Jose Aldo is the best featherweight ever. At the time, he'd only lost once in his whole career. Beat Chad Mendez, who was the top of his game. Beat Eddie Alvarez for the world title. Eddie Alvarez at the time, once again, an absolutely top competitor, maybe not considered so much now. Beat Dustin Poirier, who went on to become a champion. Diego Brando won the Ultimate Fighter. Even people he beat in. On on the regional scene, like you know, he he won a second Cage Warriors title off Ivan Bushinger, and and you know, like Bushinger is a a talented fighter at his own right. So look, he he's probably not going to go down as one of the greats uh, in terms of his in the cage style, simply because he he has had a good old period of inactivity. Um, but I think that other than one fight he had before he fought Mendez and Aldo, he fought a guy called Dennis Seaver. And I, I always say that like if he just beat Poirier and then waited for the title shot, his legacy would be so much better because people felt like Poirier was at a higher level than Seaver. So there's this perception that people have, and, and you know that uh, first impressions are everything. A lot of people believe that he like was fighting bums or something. Dustin Poirier is not a bum. Diego Branda is not a bum. Max Holloway is not a bum. But Dennis Seaver is not quite at that level. Um, so yeah, I, look, I think his record speaks for itself. He's beaten a lot of world-class people. He is a world-class, he's a double champion, the first ever double champion. I don't know if he'll go down as one of the greats, but he should. Like he, he is one of the greats. I suppose I would consider him to be. The UFC, obviously an American set up by Dana White and, um, Mm -hmm. McGregor, I suppose 
as it was building, I suppose he jumped on that wave and I suppose he brought the UFC to a level maybe that it never would have been. Is, is that fair to say? So like the point of view we're bringing, we're bringing you on here to look at the, the American aspect. So like he took the world by storm. He's one of our yeah. greatest ex- exports in terms of athletes. So mm. the impact he's had on not only America, but the world is just unbelievable whenever I, someone meets me or i go into a restaurant if, or you're irish it's always yeah oh mcgregor mcgregor yeah. it's like like i'll be the corkman roy Keane would be like <laughs> my favorite sports star but mcgregor has got that name he's had the biggest impact by far and of course he yeah. was able to of course fl- fight floyd mayweather in that crossover match just to show you how big of an, of an appeal he is he's literally like i said he's literally named by forbes this year the richest yeah. athlete in the world He's the number one superstar. LeBron James is right up there. Cristiano Ronaldo is right up there. I and, and I suppose Cristiano Ronaldo probably has the bigger name recognition, but he's a gigantic megastar who's absolutely there, which is crazy because you think like football's around hundreds of years, basketball's around God knows how long, mm-hmm. but MMA as a whole sport is like forty years old or so. Uh, so it's really. It's it's an incredible thing that McGregor has been able to do, and obviously the UFC was pretty mainstream by the time he got there. There's this idea that like he dragged it into the mainstream. That's not true. It was pretty high up there, but he uh, he definitely has played a huge part in the success it has today because it's now like like the UFC smokes boxing man most of the time, um, and that's that's pretty cool. And McGregor has played a big part in where MMA is now and the UFC is now. So like his hype, the bravado, the showmanship, he really is such such an appeal. Yeah. Marketing wise, he's got a brain on him. Like sure obviously the, the proper whiskey to to promote that. So he has his reputation has taken a bit of a dent in the couple, last couple of years. I would argue that it's after take it's probably mainly been intact, especially here in America, amongst the Americans uh, around the world, it's remained intact. I, I'm not sure you're in Ireland now, uh, Don, obviously, but has it taken a big of a, bigger of a hit at home? Uh, some of the controversies he's had. Bro, I'll tell it's, you. It, he's got like, a, a, he had a couple of driving offenses at home. I think that was the one that did it for me, actually. The, he was, he was like, well, really, really irked me. The, he was yeah. in court for the driving. Uh, he pulled up a uh, Lamborghini or something. The doors come open, wearing a tracksuit holding his face like yeah. Martin Cal I was like oh man this is just so this is so Not bad like look. so many so many people looked up to you you know you're supposed to be a, mm-hmm. an icon you're supposed to be someone that the youth are supposed to look up to and this kind of stuff that you're getting involved in really really I, I that was one of the things that pissed me I think the one of the incident there of course it was the incident in Brooklyn there where he flew over right. got a trolley dolly threw it at a bus hurt a couple yep. of people I think people were at the time they weren't sure if this was scripted or not that it didn't maybe it didn't take uh it was so ludicrous that people had to think it was scripted because yeah. it was such a a wild thing to do but yeah uh he's certainly had quite a few controversies and i suppose to answer your question uh it, 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 like it's really hard to gauge like there's a lot of people who will tell you based on their social yeah. interactions oh yeah his like he's not even close to as popular but then i was at a bellator show right before i went to the states September 2019, so maybe, like, his his reputation has only gotten better the last year and a half or so. Mm. Um, but I was at this Bellator show, and he it was right after he punched that guy in the pub, right? Yeah. And it, that had happened a while ago, but it, the video had only just come out on TMZ, so people had seen it. And uh, this video was out, and people were really pissed off, and, and all you could hear from people was how much we hate Conor McGregor. And then I'm at this event, 
and it's all the MMA fans, and it's 15,000 people or however many there was, 12,000 maybe, and this place erupts when he walks in. He walked in to support his friend Peter Queeley, who was fighting, James Gallagher was fighting, yeah. and uh, and I've never heard anything like it. The people loved him, and I went to an event that he was supposed to be at that he didn't show up to, and people were there just to see him. I think the reports of his demise as a fan favorite are greatly exaggerated. That's not to say that he hasn't lost popularity. He of course has. I know that like little things like when I, when he fought Mendez, I remember every single one of my friends, we all got together. We had to find somewhere to watch this McGregor fight. It isn't like that anymore. There wasn't that much of a buzz around the Poirier fight. It was still a record breaking pay-per-view in the States, I suppose. And, and over here, People do still love him. Like, I think if he fought over here, if he fought at Croke Park, he would probably sell it out. Yeah. So, you know, I think that he's got a great deal of popularity, um, more so than maybe people would like you to believe. And I think he's I think he's doing just fine over here, and of course in the States as well. Do you think it's more of a genera- generational issue that maybe the, the young people, 20s, 30s, they'll follow him no matter what, and maybe it's the older... Yeah. The old, older crew would say i suppose it's generational i suppose like look yeah i say this to people and they don't want to hear it because he's done some things that are very bad and he's been accused of some things that that are also very bad but he like people i people don't want to hear that they didn't really like him before all of that stuff yeah he in the public in terms of the public eye obviously we'd heard stories here or there like you know stories you'd hear in the back of a taxi or whatever but in terms of actual stories that the public knew there was nothing on him when he fought Floyd Mayweather. And people were starting to get sick of him when he fought Floyd Mayweather. And I think that it's because we don't like being favorites here. We like the underdogs. We like uh, being, we like the rags to riches, but we don't actually love the riches part. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think it's so funny how like, um, like someone like, uh, there's any amount of people in, in Irish popular culture, you know, like uh, I went to see, Ronan Keating one time and he struggled to sell out the Dublin venue and the UK tour every single ticket was gone in two seconds but the Dublin people didn't want to come out and see the Ronan Keating and, and they'll say that it's because of XYZ they'll say that oh he's not that great it's all it's because he's successful and we don't really love the success we love the the getting to it we love the the yeah. underdog story we don't actually love the guy driving around the Lamborghini yeah because true. that is a constant reminder of what most people here are not um, and you know people think it's too big for his boots I don't know that it's too big for your boots when you're a world champion two times over. I don't like I don't know what constitutes too big for your boots in that situation. He's but yeah, man, I think that uh I think we just don't like un- or we sorry, I think we just like underdogs here. We don't necessarily like uh favorites. The, the we don't Irish, like winners here. The Irish begrudgery maybe exactly. uh, yeah. kicks in then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, let, so let's get down to the get, let, let's let's get down to the fight. So at, at the weekend, mm-hmm. Donna, it's the it's the third uh, clash between the two of them. McGregor obviously won the first one. Was beaten in the second one. Um, coming into the third one now, he's probably better prepared. We'll just go back over the first two. So the initial one when McGregor, McGregor beat him easy first time round. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was uh, it was a featherweight, which a lot of people don't take into account. Like, I think Dustin Poirier finds it tough to make lightweight, and that was another 10 pounds. And you know, like, 10 pounds at that level, like, Dustin Poirier is in very good shape at 170, at 155. To get another 10 pounds off, that, that takes something out of you. Okay. So I think that played a huge part in the first fight that people don't really like to remember. And then uh, I remember saying this, 
like when Poirier fought Joe Duffy, I remember saying on Twitter, I, I'm not sure if the tweet's still there, but I said, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier at lightweight is a very interesting fight. Maybe not so much, yeah. you know, back at featherweight. And uh, and then they fought again. Sorry, the, the, so the first one, yeah, it was a it, it was a decent um, look. It was it was an incredible performance from McGregor. It was the performance that allowed people to understand, oh, this guy is for real, because a lot of times people falter on that stage. Sean O'Malley, you know, he he was he fought Cheeto Vera, which is like your step up performance, fell down. He he slipped, you know, and it's happened for a few people. Mm-hmm. But Connor really destroyed someone like Poirier, who's a an, like an incredible you know, world level fighter at, at world champion level competitor. And uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a great performance, but I do think that the weight class played a big factor. And the second, second time around. So what was it? Five months mm-hmm. ago, he, he came back. He was, he was out for about a year, wasn't he? He had only, yep. uh, he had only fought uh, about a, a year earlier, which was another quick fight. And he was mm-hmm. back. Um, how do you, th- how do you think that went? Like, I think he, he, he won the first round. It seemed to be look going well for McGregor in the first round. He was la- landing yeah. some blows. And then all of a sudden, he, um, Poirier was landing these, uh, calf shots. And uh, for me, as a kind of a layman following UFC, I was like, why isn't he protecting himself? And he kind of, Mm-hmm. He kept getting hit, kept getting hit, and of course that was the undoing of him. But uh, from your expert uh, point mm, of view, expert, what, what, yeah. <laughs> point, what was the, what was your take on the second fight? Uh, certainly not an expert, by the way. But yeah, I think uh, I think that it was an interesting one, man. I think uh, I think look, Dustin Poirier, like I said, is a world level competitor. I think the Conor McGregor came back into it. He thought, I've beat this guy. I knocked him out in two minutes. Now he's got a big name. He's a bigger name now. Let's give him a little rematch. I'm going to fight Manny Pacquiao in a couple of months. He had his boxing coach in, Philip Sutcliffe, from the uh, the Crumlin Boxing Club. And obviously, Philip Sutcliffe is a phenomenal boxing coach who he probably should have brought in when he fought Mayweather, who he chose not to. Um, but he's someone whose knowledge of MMA is severely lacking. And it it's tough to bring in someone like that. It's a huge risk. It pays off sometimes. And it paid off when he fought Cowboy Cerrone because he... You know he obliterated that guy, but he, uh, you know he, he's um he's brought that guy in. I think that was a big factor. He was doing a lot of boxing sparring. He had guys like uh Willow Hayden, who's a, a good professional who just signed with Frank Warren. Uh, a guy called Dylan Moran, who I believe is is on the cusp of maybe signing a big uh, big professional promote, promotional deal. Um, and these are guys who are top level boxers. But they're not guys who are going to kick at your legs. They're not guys who are going to shoot to take you down. He didn't have, unfortunately, Peter Queeley was injured. I believe Artem Lobov was unavailable. These are great training partners of his. He had a, a sort of a different kind of a camp. He had a lot of people in there who I would have thought were kind of interesting training partners to have. He had a guy called Kosti Gnasariev from Bellator, who's a very good fighter, but I also thought a little young. I thought not really someone who's going to be able to, in a sparring session, take him into deep waters, not a world-level guy. Like, obviously, Artem Lobov isn't world-level, but he's, you know, a very high... Like, he's he's high enough level and knows Connor well enough from having sparred him so much. He knows how to take Connor to the deep, and he knows exactly what to do in those sparring sessions. So I thought that, yeah, the preparation seemed to me like it was not adequate, and it appears now that what he's done is he's gone, got himself to California... He's incredibly focused. I just spoke to uh, Uriah Faber earlier today, and he was telling me that he's been texting with Connor, and Connor is completely uh, singular-minded. He just had a child back in Dubai with his wife, um, Dee Devlin, or his wife just had a child uh, called Rian, and um, 
and he's left the the family back in Dubai, uh, which is a huge step to take. Uh, like it's it's massive. So I think uh, I think look, his preparation seems to be better. I, I saw this great picture James Gallagher shared the other day of the the team. Connor wasn't in the picture, but all the people in the gym, and it was like, oh yeah, that's the team that won him world titles. Owen Roddy's there, John Kavanaugh's there, Peter Queeley is there. I thought, yeah, that's a that's a world level team. Not to say that his team for the, the for, for for the rematch wasn't, but it was just it was different. Like I think it was uh he had different things on his mind, but I think he's I think he if I'm honest, I think he's looking at the lightweight division, looking at Charles Oliveira, and kind of thinking, if I can get myself to the level I was at, Charles Oliveira is about Eddie Alvarez's level. He's around that that tier of fighter, and I can beat him. I've beaten people who are better than Charles Oliveira before, and he he's thinking I can be lightweight champion again. And and look, we're going to see if he's at world level anymore on Saturday night. Yeah, and his the, the build up like I've been keeping an eye on it online. There's been it's been a very low key build up in terms yep. of McGregor. He's not doing media appearances. There hasn't been anything. You don't know a lot what what's going on. That's been a bit different to to other fights, has it? And do you think that's a that's that's a good thing? He took an interesting tact going into the the Cerrone and the Poirier fights, which was to be like what people dub as like nice Connor. You know, he was. You know, very respectful of his yeah. opponents and all the rest of it, and he he did this huge virtual media tour for um for the the Poirier rematch because obviously everything was on Zoom, and I believe he was saying to Ariel Helwani how if it was always just a Zoom media thing, he could do twenty million interviews. Yeah. But you know, I, and I think it will ramp up. I believe he has a more low key media day on Wednesday where he's going to speak to a whole load of of press, and that's going to be when it really ramps up. Um, and you know. People who know know about this fight, and uh, and I think yeah, it's low key. What what Uriah Faber told me was that he's not concerned with anything other than getting in the cage and and riding the wrong with Dustin Poirier. And unfortunately for for us in the media, unfortunately for people uh, around the world who want to be seeing you know the trash talking Connor, I think uh, he's singular minded right now. Uh, so the build up is going to be low key. Maybe unfortunately for the UFC too. I'm sure they would like more old school Connor, but you know, they're. Uh, I think it's still going to be a pretty big event. No trolley's been throwing the bosses down in Brooklyn, but uh, do you quite. think that speaks to the actual how much is on the line for McGregor this weekend? Oh if yeah. He, if he loses this, where does he stand? That's a great question, Michael. I think, um, like, he would have to consider his career. He will have then lost four of his last five. Be one and four, and I suppose one and three in MMA, and then he obviously lost his boxing fight as well. And even then, he's like, if you include the boxing fight and this, he will then be five and three in his last eight. Like since he won the featherweight title, like it's not a world level record. You know, he lost to he will at that point have lost to Dustin Poirier, Khabib, and Nate Diaz as well as the boxing match. And it's like those. Those are three very different kinds of fighters. Like Nate Diaz is not a world level fighter, and he lost to him, and, and he lost. To, obviously, Khabib is a great. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time, apparently. But uh, you know, Dustin Poirier, another one who you would have to think that the Conor McGregor that was handily beating Jose Aldo, the Conor McGregor that made Eddie Alvarez look like an amateur, that guy would be thinking that Dustin Poirier is also not quite at that level. But we're going to find out 
how much there is left with the whole Connor thing. I don't think, to be honest with you, if he loses, I don't think we're a bazillion miles away from, I think we'd be maybe one or two fights away from eventually seeing him face off with Jake Paul. Really? <laughs> you, you think it's going to happen? I think if he loses, yeah, I think he, yeah. he might have to reconsider. Because I think he's 33 <laughs> uh, but in about two weeks' time, I think. So yeah. where he's still young. It, you think that, is that young as a UFC fighter, is it? I would have said it was young enough, but I, what I've heard from people who are who know more than I do is that what you need to do is take when someone made their pro debut and then add eight years, and that's when they're in their prime. They'll never get better from after that eight-year point, and that would take you to 2016 when he was the double champion. Mm. Uh, you know, so I don't know if, like, that's just a theory. I don't know how true that is or anything, but it, it, it makes sense. So we'll see. Look, he's like, 32 is pretty young. He hasn't taken a huge amount of damage. He got knocked out by Poirier, but Mayweather didn't like badly hurt him. Nate Diaz gave him a good L fight now in their rematch, more so than their first one, because that was finished pretty quickly. Khabib did, like, Khabib beat him up, but he didn't, like, it's not like Khabib like obliterated him or anything. He won a round in there and he got submitted. He tapped out, but you know, like that last Poirier fight was the first time we saw him get like really rocked and hurt. You know, well, no, he's been hurt by Diaz, but the first time we saw him get like really, you know, put down and knocked out. So we're we're going to see. Um, but I think he's got a a good bit of gas left in the tank, regardless. Which is which makes it an, an interesting contest. And what do you think his goals are left in uh, in the UFC? If Look, become a champion again, and how long do you yeah. think if he becomes champion, would he want want to defend it, or would he just pack well, it in once he once he gets? The thing it's, is, if he becomes champion again, then a lot of doors open up. You know, maybe Floyd wants to come out and try to do a second fight if he's the champion again. Maybe Manny Pacquiao is is interested again in doing that fight. I think, from what I can tell. The Pacquiao thing might be thawing a little bit because there's some issues between his management and uh, and Con- or there's issues between McGregor's management, Paradigm Sports, and and Pacquiao. So maybe that would thaw a small bit. But there's boxing options if he becomes champion. He could retire as champ after having proven that he's still at that level. Um, there are options for him though. Maybe he takes the title and says, "Hey, I, I was never a, a reigning defending champion," and he decides um, maybe he decides he wants to tour. Maybe he decides. He fought in Vegas for his whole career, barring that one in New York and barring the one in uh, Abu Dhabi. You know, he's he's a Vegas-based fighter. Maybe he decides, I want to do Boston again. I want to do New York again. I want to do Dublin again. And he's the lightweight champion. So he says, okay, well, I'm lightweight champion and I call the shots. Maybe we do Nate Diaz 3 in Dublin. And, you know, Super. he's going to... Yeah, that would be special, you know. And and look, Nate Diaz is someone he would beat. Like Michael Bisping fought Dan Henderson in his first title defense, and a lot of people thought Dan Henderson wasn't quite, you know, at that level. But what he just, you know, he wanted to fight someone in Manchester who who had a bit of meaning to him. And I think, yeah, that would be an interesting one. So maybe he tours. I don't know what he does, but I think uh, I think he, both him and Poirier have a tough hell time of it against Charles Oliveira as well. Okay, going back to the weekend. So, how do you think how how is McGregor going to change? What's his approach going to be this weekend, and how will it vary from the last time? Look, you said it yourself. The 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 calf kicks are a serious concern. He like look, he'd be crazy if he wasn't constantly working on that, and and he does know how to defend them. Like he was get like he knows how to throw them as well. Like he's a he's an expert level mixed martial artist. He does know how to defend them. He went in 
planning to to stand and trade with Poirier and planning to put him out in the first fight. I don't think he was prepared for that. He's more than prepared for it now. I don't even think Poirier is going to bother throwing those kicks again. He knows it's so unlikely that they're going to land with the same efficiency. I do think that he got taken down pretty easily in that first fight, and people forget that because of the leg kicks. Um, but, you know, Dustin shot in with a... A double leg that wouldn't be getting down most decent MMA fighters, and he got Connor down to the ground. And obviously, that's an area where he struggles. I don't think he's as bad on the ground as people make out that he is, but he's certainly not the. He certainly doesn't train with ATT level wrestlers all the time, that like Dustin Poirier does. So, I think um, Poirier's path to victory is probably through working his way into towards Connor's legs and and getting a takedown, getting it to the ground. I think. If he thinks he's going to knock Connor out again, he's in big, big trouble. But if Connor thinks that it's going to be enough to, you know, keep it up and keep it down, I think, I think both of these guys are in for a, a decent little. I think we're in for a proper scrap here on Saturday night, to be honest. I think Poirier has shown he does have a chin. Connor is obviously a world-class fighter, a, a world champion, and you've got two guys in there. One of whom, by the way, could be chilling out on a beach in Dubai right now. One of whom literally could be doing anything else and is choosing to do this. Just made hundreds of millions from selling his whiskey company. There is no reason why Conor McGregor would be taking this fight unless he definitely believed, I am going to be a lightweight champion again. And Dustin Poirier also believes he's going to be lightweight champion again. Dustin Poirier will keep fighting until he is lightweight champion again. He never got the undisputed strap. He got the interim one. And uh, yeah, I think we've got to... uh, Two really, really hungry fighters on Saturday night. Will McGregor be looking for the early knockout? And as yeah. things go on, the, the longer they go on, does that work against McGregor and in favor of Poirier? I, I, yeah, I don't know. To be honest with you, like, I, I don't think people quite understand how intense. Like, you know, you've you've played like a high level of Gaelic football, and it's like it's an intense at that like high level of athleticism. And I don't think people understand that like. A five-round MMA fight is as athletically difficult as, like, a marathon. And nobody really maintains that pace. People like Colby Covington moderate their pace very well, but it's not like people fight like Poirier and McGregor fight and don't get tired. So, you know, I think um, I think it's not as big of a deal if it goes late as people make out that it is. I do think that it probably does favor Poirier. He probably does have a gas tank. And that is probably where the desire comes in. And the hunger comes in. And Poirier is hungry because he's never tasted proper gold. He's tasted interim gold. He's been champion. He's been in title fights. He fought Khabib. But Connor's been to the mountaintop and then some. Connor's gone farther than the mountaintop. He's exceeded what is possible. Because what people forget is he came to the UFC. There were top level champions. George St. Pierre wanted to try win the middleweight title. They wouldn't let him. Uh, Anderson Silva wanted to go for the. 205 title or wanted to box Roy Jones Jr. They wouldn't let him do it. Connor was so good, he commanded such an interest that he was able to do things that the UFC would normally never allow people to do. So he exceeded the mountaintop. And when you get to the later rounds in a fight, someone who's kind of been there already is going to struggle a little bit. But I also don't think that it's like athletically that big of a difference like people think it is. Connor McGregor is a world level athlete. And I think we'll see that as the fight progresses. Like, he, he went the distance and beat Nate Diaz. Like, that's... Nate Diaz is an incredibly gifted athlete. So, 
I think um I think look, it favors Poirier a little bit. It's certainly not like a game changer if it goes the distance. But I do think Connor's gonna try to get him out of get get him out of there early. And he's might even do it too. When I watched the last fight, I was kind of um I was struck, but he just reminded me of that reach he has, that kind of underhand kind of yeah. corkscrew. The reach he gets and the power he gets when he gets down, it was just, it's something, it's just unbelievable how he can just get so much power into it with the reach. So is, yeah. is, that, his, is that his favorite weapon? Will that be what he'll be looking to? <clears throat> it, yeah, I, I would imagine. You know, uh, he's, he's a, a long guy. His ability to control the range is phenomenal like he was able to maintain control of the range for a decent length of time against floyd mayweather in the boxing ring Mm. very few people are able to do that um and i think that's a massive factor michael i think you're dead right there and i think uh if he can if he can do that if he can stop poirier from like poirier's got a very particular game plan he's going to have to follow and if McGregor can stop that, then he's absolutely in the ascendancy. And of course, that left hand is a great equalizer, but he's not quite like he's not like a Deontay Wilder who you know throws these gigantic power punches and has nothing else. Mm. He's got a lot of facets to his game, and I think we're in for a, a real interesting fight because of a number of the factors that you've listed uh, so far, Michael. I put you on the spot. Who's going to win? Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> we went uh, over. <laughs> gosh, it's a tough question, uh, and I don't know how many people care about my opinion, man. But uh, I think the smart money. I do think the smart money is with Conor McGregor, man. But I don't want to jinx it. You know, I I bet on Conor one time, the first Nate Diaz fight. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily be betting on what I say, but. Wouldn't it just be nice if Connor won? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it just make all of our lives a whole we'll, lot more no, interesting? We're, we're Irish. We need to bet on everything. Everything has yeah. to be a bet. So, so please, God, Connor McGregor wins. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking at the odds here now, and actually, um, Poirier is actually four to five favorite with McGregor even money. Yeah, so, so there, five to six it's even money. essentially essentially identical odds like Poirier is the minuscule level favorite but you know I th- I think look, he should be he knocked Connor out in the, in the last fight and Connor is like in under any normal metric you would consider him past it like no athlete would generally ever keep competing at the level he competes at if they like if they were at the level of financial security he's at but he clearly is a bit mad. He's a bit tapped, and he would probably admit that himself. Yeah. And he, uh, and he really wants to be lightweight champion again. So he look. He needs to win on Saturday night. He, he actually doesn't need to win. People like to say he really. It doesn't matter if he gets fucking knocked the fuck out on Saturday night. He's still Conor McGregor, but he just if he wants to be lightweight champion again, he needs to win. But of course, Poirier also needs to win that because the path to gold is going to be all over the place if he manages to, to lose a second one to Connor. So yeah, I think uh I'm gonna look I'm gonna go with McGregor, but I certainly wouldn't be betting money on my predictions. I would I would go to a better expert than me, uh if you want to find out uh who you think's gonna win that one. But yeah, let's say Connor McGregor. And Your analysis you think has it. been top class on it. So <laughs> uh, give yourself some credit. Thank you. Tell me, are there any other kind of up and coming or any Irish, or any people that will follow in the pattern McGregor, any Irish uh, UFC MMA fighters? Yeah, bro. Reach? Look, 
I don't want to be that guy because it seems like the the common answer to this question is a guy called Ian Gary who's fighting in Cage Warriors at the moment. That's like that's like a that's like a fool's answer. Every, anyone would answer that, but it's it, like it's the truth. He is probably going to be in the UFC soon. Otherwise, uh, we've got a few decent fighters. I think there's a guy called Nathan Kelly, a good amateur. Um, we got a few different people. I think Peter Queeley is probably going to be competing for a Bellator title soon enough. Uh, James, I, I do believe James Gallagher will be world world level at some point. Um, and then yeah, you, you know, you look around uh, the ranks. Like I said, there was a guy called, like I say, Kosti Knusariev. I think uh, there's a young man uh, based out of Mayo called Ian Coughlin, who's a very very talented fighter. I believe he's one and one as a professional. Uh, but uh, there's another guy called um, Andreas Binder, also based out of Galway, uh, who I think is going to be really high level. So let's say, let me give you three. Ian Gary, like I say, the fool's answer, but Ian Gary is the top. Let's say Andreas Binder, number two. And then third, we'll go for another fool's answer, James Gallagher. Perfect. There's, <laughs> there's a guy who, get, who, came, who I came across there while he's on the main card, Sean O'Malley. Uh, yes, he's got fighter. some some uh, some Irish heritage. Not sure <laughs> he about the haircut. Not sure Ridiculous. about the hair. <laughs> Good, but I think he's he's I think he he definitely embraces his Irish Irish heritage. I think his grandmother is is Irish. What kind of a fighter is he? He's he's a very very good fighter. Is the answer? He's a bantamweight. He's he's a, a really exciting prospect. He's super young. Like he he might be younger than me. I think I'm 23. Um, I could be wrong, but he's a uh, He's a real prospect, man. Look, he lost to Marlon Chito Vera, which is a bad loss. No, he's a little older than me. He's 26. But he, um, yeah, he's definitely, quote-unquote, one to watch. And I think he, like, he's going to smoke this lad on the on the fight this week. He was supposed to be facing a guy called Louis, uh, Louis Smolka, who had to pull out because of a, an injury. And now he's fighting a guy called Chris Moutinho, who is... Uh, you know, a newcomer to the promotion has come in at last minute. I think he's going to smoke this guy. I think it's going to be a highlight reel knockout. Um, uh, look, I've been wrong on these things before, and a lot of people have. But yeah, Sean O'Malley's a, a real one to watch in the bantamweight. <clears throat> excuse me, in the bantamweight division. Um, and we're going to see. Uh, not we're not going to see on Saturday night. I don't think we're going to gain much knowledge on how good he is on Saturday. We're going to see in his next fight uh, how good he is. And uh, are you are you still doing boxing reporting with with, with Mirror? How are we looking with the, yeah, the Irish man. pros? Yeah, man. Look, that's that's another interesting one. Michael Conlon's coming back to Ireland on August the seventh, August the sixth, I believe, uh, to fight in yeah. Belfast, which yeah. is going to be phenomenal, man. Like we haven't had live sport at all. We've got like a couple of football matches where a hundred people are allowed to go to the Aviva Stadium, which is insane. Like you might as well not have a crowd. Uh, so to have a big packed out Falls Park is going to be monumental. I literally, I'm planning on going to the states, assuming Sleepy Joe opens the borders. In the next couple of weeks, I'm planning on going to the States like at the start of August for a few weeks. And uh, I literally am pushing that plan back because I need to be there for the Michael Conlon fight. <laughs> and there's a few good... And he's fighting TJ Doheny, and, like a good Irishman as well. So that's going to be a cracking event. I think Luke Keeler is a very good fighter. I think Jason Quigley is probably going to be uh, a world-level fighter at some point. I, I would rather he didn't fight Demetrius Andrade right oh, now. Yeah. I'd rather he fought a couple more times. I think two more fights... Then fight Boobo. I think he's. I think it would be very smart for Demetrius Andrade to fight Jason Quigley now. No. I think it would not be very smart for Jason Quigley to take that fight. 
I think he needs a couple more. It would have been crazy for him to fight Canelo Alvarez when that was planned a few yeah. months ago. Um, but he is also going to be a very, very good level fighter. And of course, our greatest, uh, our greatest ever athlete, boxing or otherwise, Katie Taylor, uh, is going to maintain all of her world titles and hopefully go for a few more. <laughs> There's rumors McCollin could be uh, fighting towards the end of the year in America. Have you heard that? Would be amazing. Anything? Will he get that world title bout? It's possible. I think it, certainly if if MSG becomes an option. I'm also hearing that uh, the there's a boxing event happening on the second of August at, at the theater at MSG, which is going to be the first big full boxing event back in in uh, in the states. I believe Michael Hunter is going to be in the main event of that. I'm also hearing. And I really shouldn't be saying this, but okay, I'll say it. I'm also hearing that maybe there is rumblings that the UFC will be back in November at, at MSG, uh, and that's really all I can say on the matter. But I, uh, you know, that would be special too. Um, and yeah, ideally, you get that sort of middle of December coming towards Christmas show uh, at at the the main MSG with hopefully a big star in the main event and. And then yeah, if you could get Katie Taylor on that card, or if you could get a uh, yeah. Michael Conlon on there, it would be something special and uh, and I'd love for Michael Conlon to fight for a world title in New York that would be pretty cool I want to see Katie against Serrano that's the one I've been waiting for for quite a couple of years bro look that's look it, it's it's really to be honest with you it's it's a it's really the only it's the super intriguing women's fight at the moment I'm also yeah. very interested in seeing uh Shannon Courtney versus Rachel Ball's rematch but you know, I think the women's fight that everyone wants to see at the moment is either Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields or Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. And I think there's no one else is at Katie's level other than Amanda Serrano. So we're going to see. We're going to find out. Um, and hopefully that gets made soon. And uh, hopefully Team Serrano come to an agreement. But I also understand that Amanda quite fancies herself as a decent MMA fighter. So she's going to yeah, keep she trying went, that out. Yeah, she went back fighting MMA, I think, a couple of weeks yeah. ago, a couple of months ago again. So, yeah, I don't know what she's... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, because Katie's kind of pushing on now, isn't she? She's, I think she's she 35 is. now. And, and she's and, high intensity. Like, you know, there's only so it's long. Also, you can it's different for female athletes than it is for male because she has to decide at some point, like uh, like Becky Lynch from WWE, she has to decide at some point, is she going to, yeah. to want to be a mother? Uh, which obviously is difficult because uh, like a male fighter can decide to be a father and it makes next to no impact on their career. But a, a female fighter because of the, the strains that it takes in their body, she will have to make that decision at some point. And if she wants to make that decision, then that would essentially, like a year out of her career at the least, probably more like two at her age, would probably be the end of, of things. So uh, we'll see. It would be nice if she fought Serrano before uh, before she decides to hang up the gloves. And it's also up to her what she wants to do, you know, outside of the ring. Um, but yeah, she probably is... I think we should we should appreciate Katie Taylor right now, yeah, because she's probably not going to be around too long. Yeah, and uh, John O'Carroll is going to be fighting. Uh, th- that postponed fight is going to be in in mm-hmm. August. Yeah, that would be cool, man. I think uh, I think John O'Carroll is another real interesting prospect. I don't know if I don't know what level he's at to be honest. Like I've, I think he's a super uh, a super exciting fighter. I think he's someone who, you know, you, I I don't want to miss any of his fights, but yeah. we're going to find out. We're going to see. Uh, to see how good he is as well like i say probably not in august he's probably going to win that one yeah. but uh i i would hope that'll get him back on track towards the possible world fights or or decent international level fights and i'll just finish up now because you've been very uh you've been very accommodating with your time i know it's uh, one o'clock at home but we're heading into the olympics now in a couple of weeks how are our boxers yes, looking for uh olympic gold 
Great question. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, that would be a better question for our friend Gavin Casey, who's been following it a little bit more closely than I have. But I, I would hope that, uh, that Kelly Harrington is able to get something done. And uh, I think we've got some some real medal prospects, man. Um, I think she's obviously the number one. Uh, so we're going to find out. But these Olympics are going to be weird, bro. So it's going to be tough <laughs> to make any prediction for these Olympics. The same as like a lot of these tournaments are mad these days. So you're seeing all sorts of crazy things happen when there's, you know, weird rules and all of that. So we'll, we're going to find out. Um, but I think I, it would be lovely if Kelly Harrington was able to get a gold medal, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Donna, thanks very much. I appreciate your, <laughs> your you. knowledge. Your, your, your knowledge on, on, the, on the sport is just phenomenal the way you were able to. <laughs> so, so I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much. And we have to follow you. And what's, what's your Twitter handle again, Donna? Right, so my Twitter handle is at Donna Corby and then a little underscore after that. Um, and my Instagram, at Donna Corby, no need for the underscore on that one. And uh, yeah, Michael, it is a true joy to be speaking to you on a Zoom call. Although I hate Zoom calls, I detest them. I think that they are a, I think they are a net negative for society. But of course, if you are on the other end of one, I would never say no. At one in the morning, two in the morning, or three in the morning. Maybe four is a little late. But one, two, three. I, I could definitely do that. So yes, thank you so much for having me, Michael. And I can't wait for us to head out to uh, the Mean Fiddler, maybe, Yes. Uh, in New York when I'm back there. Please, God. <laughs> at the end of the summer no worries I've just one more question came into my mind what's happening with Jake Paul and Logan oh, Paul oh yes my favourite you're the question. man who's been covering this it's for, such uh... an honour it is such an honour <laughs> that you would ask me that question to be honest I, I, I've I, been following these guys since since before they decided to do boxing I've always I've been in the low gang forever man I've been a huge <laughs> low gang member I'm a Jake Pauler and uh, I, th- I I said something was a net negative overall I think these guys are a net positive for combat sports. You look at what Jake Paul is doing with, with uh, Sarah Alpa recently, um, what what they are all doing to, to make fights happen. Tyron Woodley is going to get a career-high purse to fight Jake. Ben Askren just got a career-high purse to fight Jake. Um, Nate Robinson, a retired basketball player, was able to make prospectively millions fighting Jake because I believe he got a cut of the pay-per-view and that Tyson and Jones pay-per-view was one of the biggest ever. So... You know, Nate Robinson and Jake Paul both got rich, and obviously Andy Song Gibb as well got to, to fight him and, and Deji in the amateurs. I think, um, I think that from what I can see, Jake is it, it's like a cliche thing to say Jake's a better boxer. I don't even know who's a better boxer, they're both at a pretty low level, they're both like very raw novices. Uh, from what I hear, Jake it appears has a little bit more respect for the, the sport, the art of boxing. It appears that that like Jake legitimately views this as a career path for himself. And look, what people don't understand is that he's been training for three years, but that's not the same three years as most boxers because when you're when you start out boxing training, let's say you start out when you're eight or you're twelve, you've still got school to do. You've still got chores at home to do, you've got your homework, you got all this stuff. Jake Paul can decide on a whim. I'd like this world champion to come in and coach me. I'd like this uh, top-level sparring partner to come in and, and show me the ropes, and he can do that every day for three years. So his three years is your average amateur boxer's 12 years. So, you know, he's he's at an extremely high level for... There's no one else who's been training for three years who could be even close to Jake Paul's level. Logan Paul's pretty good. I think people are not giving him credit. Going eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather is, like I was saying earlier, the athleticism that's needed for that. 
to be able to not quit on your stool after three, after two, after four or five, eight rounds with one of the greatest of all time. A lot of a lot of top level boxers have done it. Conor McGregor went ten with him, but this guy is a very low level novice, and he went eight rounds with one of the greatest. It's it's unheard of. Like I've never seen the likes of it. It's an unbelievably great achievement. So I think these guys are great for the sport. I think um, I I was at Jake Paul's debut when he fought a guy called Anison Gibb in Florida. In in what I what would later I would find out was the greatest state in America, right? Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know uh, he he's a, a good he's a decent little fighter man, and uh, I think him and Tyron Woodley is going to be super interesting. I would imagine he beats Tyron Woodley. And I know something that I, I really can't say, but I think that there's some interesting stuff on the horizon for him after that. And, uh, and yeah, I think, uh, I think Jake Paul and Logan Paul are, are, uh, are great for, uh, for the sport of boxing overall. You're, you're teasing, uh, teasing us to come back on for a follow-up. <laughs> exactly, <Good> yeah. <laughs> when this news comes out, you'll know it because of the size of it, and I will come on when, when you hear that. All right, no problem. Top-class <laughs> analysis, Donna. Thanks very much. Really Thank appreciate you. it. No, this is a top-class podcast. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of yours personally and as a podcast host, uh, and it is, like I say, a, a pleasure. And the next one will be in person, will be in Queens. Is this the same apartment that I dropped the, the charger to? No, no, no. Actually. Okay, <laughs> not the same one. So because yeah. uh, did you ever get that charger back? By side, the way? side story: We were at, at that <laughs> at, at, at that fight, and when Colin was fighting, I arrived home, was writing up the story, had no charger, yeah. thought I'd left it in the in the garden. Thought Donna Donna had taken it. I was writing up the story. Battery laptop went dead. I think I had to finish it off on my phone. It was an absolute disaster of a night. Yeah. But you found a laptop charger, came back to my apartment in Sunnyside at like Correct. three or four in the morning. It was someone it was, else's charger, so that didn't yeah. work out. So no, I'm in, yeah, a, I'm I'm sorry. a, I'm in a, a better spot now, uh, kind of upgraded slightly. So uh, it looks nice. I love that view <laughs> at the back. You look like you're living at large, man. Maybe I'll just stay on your couch. Uh, no, I probably would never do that. But it is a pleasure, man, to talk to you, and I'm I'm happy that uh that you're doing so well and it's it is an honor to to speak to you and i can't wait to see you again soon and also i really hope that you did find that laptop charger in the end <laughs> <laughs> donna thanks very much really appreciate it and best of luck with the, the new role with the mirror and that's all for this week let us know who you think will win the fight this saturday by leaving us a comment on facebook instagram and twitter at the long haul podcast please subscribe to the show on youtube and on your streaming provider to ensure that you get instantly notified for all new releases you can follow donna's top class reporting and analysis on twitter via at donna corby underscore that's d-o-n a-G-H-C-O-R-B-Y underscore. And don't forget to check out our updated website for the latest Irish-American sports news stories, including New York GA match reports. That's thelonghaulpodcast.com and all of our podcasts are up on the site too. If you'd like to suggest a story or submit one yourself, please DM us on social media or email michaeljdorgan at hotmail. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider. This will ensure that we can get even more podcasts to you more often. And thanks for listening. Can you dance the polka? And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went wrong.